Welcome back to Return to Oz Minute, the podcast that analyzed the 1985 Disney film Return to Oz one minute at a time. I'm Tierney Steele. And I'm Mike Carlucci. And it's te- we're technically still analyzing it. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, today is our last minute of the film. Minute 110. It begins with a special thanks credit, and I have a feeling we'll be mentioning both these names, so I'll let us get to that in our notes. But it ends with the the end. It ends with the end. It's the end of the film. It's our last regular minute. Oh, I mean, not like we'll never podcast together again, but this is the end of Return to Oz. Even if we go back to Oz, it's it's going to be... We would be be different. We'd just be returning to Oz, but we wouldn't return to return to Oz. There you go. Yeah. All right. So (laughs) I learned a lot in researching this minute. And by researching this minute, I mean Googling things right before we started. (laughs) Our special thanks are to George Lucas and Robert Watts. So I had very excited like, George, my boy Lucas is here. I was like, sorry, Robert Watts. I don't know you. But I lied. I do know him. I know his work very well. And, and it's, he, it's of oh. no surprise that he and George Lucas are lumped together. So, best known for his... Well, okay, so I'm looking at his Wikipedia because, no offense to IMDb, but they're missing my favorite bit of trivia ever. Uh, Robert Watts, British film producer, best known for his involvement with the Star Wars and Indiana Jones film series. But... Who cares about that when you can scroll down to personal life and read his half-brother is Jeremy Bullock, who played Boba Fett in the original Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> that is a pretty good, that's a pretty good, good answer to a, a trivia question some night. Uh, yeah. I, I was excited when your brother came on our podcast, <laughs> but this is a whole nother level. <laughs> oh, you know, Nate also played Boba Fett in a... <laughs> In his heart? <laughs> Yeah, it would be be perfect. (laughs) Um, So both George Lucas and Robert Watts. And now I feel awful because we've talked so much about George Lucas. And I don't think Robert Watts has ever been mentioned before. Goodness gracious. I was slacking. I'm sorry, folks. I guess Robert Watts must have been involved. He must have just regularly been involved in the film. Where Lucas, his connection is because he came in when 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 it needed him. They're both thanked specially. That feels like a special thinking to me. (laughs) And they gave Watts the first credit. When if they had gone alphabetical, Lucas would have gone first. That's a good call. I didn't... By either first name or last name. Yeah, it's weird because it's a special thanks credit. So there's no... You know, so much of these credits are determined by contract law, essentially, I think and seniority, and all sorts of stuff that special things don't apply to. I mean, now you get, like, babies that were born during production get credits. <laughs> I mean, th- there's there's no rhyme or reason to something like this. <laughs> but yes, you had mentioned earlier when we started doing the credits that we don't have crazy credits because it was before the digital revolution. I shouldn't say that. 
Man, I love The Matrix. I loved a lot of digital movies. What am I doing? But I've I've come to appreciate the craft of movies made before then. And doing this a minute at a time, I really appreciate the credits not being, you know, four songs long. Oh, uh, nothing against digital effects, obviously. Uh, yeah. It's just, what did they say? I, th- I think it was just in this week's uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith minute that the entire movie, that there wasn't a shot with actors that wasn't in front of green screen. I mean, that's a lot of digital effects and a lot of artists that you're going to need if you want to fill an entire <laughs> multi-hour movie. I'm just shaking my head sadly. Um, I love you, George Lucas, but I cannot follow. You're going down a path I cannot follow. I can't. Um, I still can't believe that only a handful of people did all of that claymation work. Having done one tiny claymation project in my life, I cannot believe that like a dozen people did all of that. <laughs> and they and they're not still doing it for the 1985 production. Nice. Um, well, I so after our special thanks, I oh, mentioned wait, no, I, I want to thank him. I want to thank Robert Watts for one more thing. Go for it. A movie that holds a special place in my heart. Even though I think most people only remember the first one, I'm all about, and as about as seeing a movie once or twice, you can be an American tale, Fievel Goes West. Yes! He was the oh producer. Oh my god! Oh, so, yeah. Sorry, I am 100% with you. I mean, you got Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, the Indiana Jones trilogy, Fievel Goes West, like, he did a live. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? He's a producer on all of those. I haven't, not really familiar with the rest of his work. No, I, uh, I, I'm now thinking of now. Now the one thing that the original An American Tale has, uh, some great songs. I'm not knocking An American Tale. It does have Madeline Kahn, who is a goddess in my view. But yeah, Fievel Goes West was watched a lot more in my house, and I still quote it on the regular and with my family. Um. But yeah, those are the big ones that stood out to me in his credits. I mean, he was involved in a Bond film, but I don't don't know that one that well. Uh, He was was the production manager, uncredited, in 2001, A Space Odyssey. Oh, I didn't realize that was uncredited. Yeah, it's weird that it's... I find all of the IMDb uncredited things to be... Like, I'm never sure. Like, where where are they getting that if it's not in the credits? (laughs) I guess it's listed somewhere. Yeah, I got really sad because someone mentioned, well, I read this on IMDb, so take it with a grain of salt. And I was just like, wait, what? No. Like, maybe in the trivia section, but you're allowed to trust listings, aren't you? So now I don't know what to believe. Oh, he was was the uh, assistant director in Thunderball. Okay. I, I mean, I know the title. It's not like I'm completely unaware of it, but... Yeah, I I've watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit a lot more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one of the one of the less, at least personally, one of the less memorable Connery Bond films. I I gotta be honest, I've seen a bunch of them. The only one I remember is The World Is Not Enough because I had it on VHS and watched it a billion times, and. Dr. No, which I only ever watched because it was on one of those TVs that... It was on one of those channels where they had, like, the trivia at the bottom. It wasn't pop-up video, but same idea and about the same era. 
And they were running commercials to Dr. No, and the tribute that they showed in that was in the original draft, Dr. No was a monkey. And my sister and I latched onto that and we're like, we must watch this. Yes, Dr. No was going to be a monkey. I don't remember anything else about that movie. That's... But you're Googling it now, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm trying to remember which one Thunderball is. Some some of them just some of some of the Bond movies really just blur together. Yeah, that's the thing. I know I've seen a bunch of them, but I, they the newer ones I remember a bit more just because. All right, Daniel Craig has only been in so many, and I saw them in theaters. But yeah, really, other than Pierce Brosnan running around with a nuclear physicist named Christmas, that that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't even a particularly good Bond movie. I just, I really liked that actress and Pierce Brosnan, so why not? <laughs> um, uh, speaking of British icons, transition! Not the one I was expecting, but the one we all deserve. Uh, yes. Music recorded at Abbey Road. <laughs> Did you catch that in the credits? Yep, yeah, right after uh, Anvil. And, and ADR by Mayflower recording LTD, which I, did not make as much of an impression on my brain as Abbey Road Studios London. Sorry, sorry Mayflower recording LTD. Um, and <laughs> no, Technicolor and Dolby logos, which means our time together is almost over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did have a question, though. All right, so it's got to be after Technicolor, Dolby, the MPPA. That logo... On the bottom left, next to the motion picture, whatever the two A's stand for. I could not make out what it was. It's, it's on my screen, it's too small to read when it's the letter one. And then when I blow it up to full screen, I can't make out any of the lettering. Oh, yeah. I wasn't uh... sure if your, your version's a little crisper, maybe, or... God, I feel like I'm at the eye doctor's. Not that I lie and use context clues if my eye doctor listens to this podcast. But, I mean, there's only so many shapes. You're going to at least be close. <laughs> um, I, I don't think um, they can they can revoke your, your, your glasses uh, oh, from, a, from a confession of sorts. <laughs> I don't know what powers they have. <laughs> okay, um, so I'm looking. It's a cool logo. I just can't make out what it's for hmm. so i'm looking at the other companies listed in the, in the credits trying to figure out what what might make up that like process of elimination yeah which which maybe we'd be better off just looking up all of their logos but that's why would we <laughs> that... do that when we can when we can do this and we can just you know you love us you listen to 110 minutes of this um uh, no i was trying to look up BMI number three or five limited. I'm not sure what that is. It's right after the copyright, which I always love because in my family, it became a contest to see who could work. Like we literally only learned Roman numerals because we wanted to try and beat my mom in reading out the year. She always won, spoiler alert, because she was, you know, a grown up and much faster at it than us. But it became a family competition thing to see who could read it the fast, who could come up with the year the fastest. And then we hit the year 2000 and it got a lot easier and it wasn't fun anymore. <laughs> so it's interesting because IMDb uh, 
does not list that one. So th this might actually be an error in IMDb. So what's listed is BMI number nine limited, unless that is a nine. That, that looks like a three to me, but... Yeah, that does not look like a nine. Maybe it's a little bit of a funky nine and the fact that we're not viewing it on a in a high resolution dolby t <laughs> freshly technicolored HD yeah k thing i would never have guessed nine yeah i would have said that was a three for sure it's a production company and they're listed with return to oz hmm. okay I, I and i mean that absolutely makes sense i started to google it and i was coming up with a scrap metal company in nova scotia and i was like no and you know what this isn't worth it <laughs> um yeah, well, there's a, so the BMI number nine limited company is a, a private limited company in London, yeah. uh, incorporated in 1978. Apparently, they're still in business. Okay. Uh, have their numbers grown since 85? They previously operated under the name of Hair Doom Limited. Huh. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not sure, but that would make sense that they... They'd have some sort of limited liability company involved, right? For oh, yeah. For insurance or 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 something. To reserve rights, all of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, if if it's the same. Oh, I here we go. Of, uh, all right, so I just assumed it was basically British copyright. Board of directors. Because uh, we've got none of these the names. Copyright with the C, which is American, and so I assumed this was the British equivalent. This is Finan nuts. Financial leasing. Oh, oh, I couldn't explain what they do, but that comes up all the time for filmmaking. Okay. So they yeah, are... Yeah, it's the money guys. Yeah. yeah. And making sure that that's all legal and goes across country lines and all of that. I, it, I It's one of those financial... I don't understand it, but I see it. That's a horrible thing to end on. Um, let me stir up controversy. Uh, major question. The last seconds of the film. Produced and re-recorded at Thorne EMI Elstree Studios, Hertfordshire, England. Re-recorded, eh? What happened there? I mean, they probably had to do some yeah, we, something. We, we, we had our ADR re-recorded sounds much more suspicious. I just wanted to throw that out there. It could be totally innocent. <laughs> or is it? And then we have uh, produced by Oz Productions Limited, which I have so many questions. And also, why is all this stuff after the trademark notices, which I thought were the last things that you get? That's a good question. Like, like this, this is all coming legally after that, which is unusual. Yeah, usually there's not very much... At this point, like you no, think usually just logo, like you know, like the the production companies, not information about the making of. I mean, I guess maybe Oz Productions Limited didn't have a title card, so okay, fine. But re-recorded at Elstree Studios. Come on, um, I I hear you googling, so I will mention. Now there is no no animals were harmed credit in this movie. I think I I don't have exact details. That wasn't as common in the 80s. I mean, it definitely existed, but there are a lot of movies where you just don't see... It, it just wasn't... I mean, now every movie you see that on. 
if an animal, like, if someone walks their dog in the background of your movie, I feel like you end up with that credit. It was not like that, so I'm not too concerned. Mike Culling seems like he knows what he's doing, but still, someone check on those chickens. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to do another look into Oz, Oz Productions Limited. Was it just for this movie? I think it might have been just for this movie. Okay. Which, which that makes, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, it didn't birth a universe like Marvel. It makes sense that <laughs> this is, you know, one and done. Um, we get a black, we, we, we say goodbye to the farm. We wave goodbye to the completed house, finally. And we have a black screen for the Buena Vista distribution credit. Yep. And that's it. And so my final note, nobody doesn't say that this is a fictional story. Oh. It's true. All of it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they didn't have to change. Well, wait, is it implied that it's fictional because they don't put the disclaimer that the no, like no real people were... Included in the names and faces have been changed for their production. No, they put that on everything. They they put... Uh, I, uh, that was on Thor Ragnarok. I mean, like, that is a standard credit on every movie. Well, I mean, you know, we all know Thor. Like, he's, he's just that goofy guy. He's always up to something. I have some very bad news. Are you sitting down? <laughs> Yeah, I am. <laughs> I, I I like that. So this has been a true story, folks. <laughs> well, we just have to be like Toto. Toto believes in us. Dorothy Dorothy Aww. said it. We trust Dorothy. <laughs> we trust Dorothy. Shout out oh, to Nate. Oh, <laughs> uh, I still that's still so weird to me. Um, that's that's all she wrote. Yeah, there's a few more seconds of black, and then. That's just the so, end. How you feeling, Mike? You got to do a whole podcast and tell the world about your favorite movie. I mean, I wouldn't say it's my favorite movie, but it's 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 high on the list. Favorite children's <laughs> movie for sure. There we go. Okay. Alright, fine. Technicalities. <laughs> yeah. It's still up there on the favorite movie list, but doesn't get doesn't get the top spot. Just to, just because it's weird to wrap up, what bumps it? Just to put you on the spot. <laughs> uh, let's say Empire Strikes Back, Jurassic Park, Last Crusade. <laughs> Would the Matrix slide in there? It probably does. That's a good top five, though. But if I, good. yeah, but if I'm, if I'm thinking just kids movies, it's this, <laughs> what, The Incredibles, I've been thinking about these a lot lately because we asked for favorite kids movies starring kids, but we we rolled out uh, cartoons, so I couldn't include The Incredibles over there. Okay, so so if I was doing a non-cartoon for number two, oh, well, actually, I guess I guess Home Alone is number two. I don't even yeah, think of it as a kids counts. movie though. I think I I have it firmly as like a holiday film. Okay, I mean that's fair, but yeah, it, it counts. Um. So I imagine. Imagine the crossover of 1899 Dorothy and 1989 Kevin McAllister. Oh my god, that would be such a good movie. No, seriously, Bruce Bulk and 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 Macaulay Culkin just running around wrecking havoc for adults. Yeah. Oh, that could be so much fun. You could make my family disappear. <laughs> Dorothy's just like, oh yeah, it happens. 
And they have to they have to fight off Marv, Harry, and Mombi. <laughs> I feel like Pons Mar would totally be in this movie too. Pons uh, Mar? Oh, they could. Sorry, Pons. Uh, I don't know who Pons would be, but they could have had Nicole uh, Nicole Williamson. He could have been uh, uh, the old guy. Yes, the oh, shovel slayer. Yes. Marley, old man Marley. I always forget that he has a name. Sorry. <laughs> I, I remember it because it's Marley, like in uh, Christmas Carol. Oh my god, I bet that's on purpose. I have always assumed it's on purpose. There's Oh my god. Cuz he's well, cuz he visit you you see him at the very beginning, just like you see Marley on the door in the very beginning. And then he shows up again with a warning at church. Kind of gives him some advice. He doesn't want Kevin to follow the same path he... Or Kevin sort of reverses it. He doesn't want the old man to follow the path that he's going down. To change his ways. And then he does. It's also one of the most famous Christmas stories ever written. (laughs) Well, yeah. Oh my god. But But they twist it. Where Scrooge... Scrooge is Kevin. But he saves Marley. And when Marley saves him too. And Kevin doesn't really need to be redeemed, but he's, I guess he kind of does need to be redeemed after he makes his family disappear. For our younger listeners, just to show you, you can reach 33 years old and still put things together for the first time. This Christmas will be the first time I watch Home Alone and think, Marley, like in The Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah. Never occurred to me. Not in a million years. Never crossed my mind. Oh, it's it's a it's a wonderful film. I've watched that movie at least film. once a year since it was released, and yet totally, totally just missed missed that part. <laughs> so when when Nate and I were growing up, all summer we would either the kids when we we'd be building the sofa, we'd either be, be reenacting this movie, or we would be reenacting Home Alone like scene by scene, <laughs> down to uh, one, one of my one of my neighbors was obsessed with playing the statue that the pizza guy hits. So we'd like ride a bike up and, you know, they'd do a, they'd do a fall. No one was harmed in the filming. Or there was no filming. No one was harmed in the recreation. But like these two movies we just spent our childhood uh, with. I wasn't harmed, but I was in trouble. Um, parents don't appreciate it when you throw your duffel bag down the stairs so it lands at the end, at the bottom. Did you shout bombs away? (laughs) I did. I did. And it landed. And then I was in really big trouble for throwing my duffel down a staircase. (laughs) It's frowned upon. Frowned upon. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But it it was a good time. Yeah, I think my sister and I had a few games that we played involving the sofa, but she was so much younger than me I feel like she missed out on this because we didn't have a copy of it ourselves and by the time she was old enough to be enjoying it Disney had pumped up their collection and weren't showing this you know every weekend it felt like well they had (laughs) Disney had a few uh, we'll call them larger hits shortly after this film yeah yeah (laughs) And then there was the animation renaissance, which she was perfectly positioned for. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was, uh, wasn't their finest hour, but 
it's definitely something that has stuck with people and yeah. you know getting past uh getting past the 30th anniversary really i think brought it brought it back into a place that if you if you didn't really see it or you didn't remember or you know you're growing up in the 80s and 90s and it may not have had a wide video release didn't really have dvd you know it kind of dropped off the broadcast because mm-hmm. disney had all these hits and then instead of you know needing to show return to oz they're like oh well what if we make timon and pumbaa a half hour television show like they they found ways to fill the space without having to go back to uh you know some of their lesser their lesser known works yeah it was a golden age <laughs> Because you would just see the randomest movies. Um, and, and you know what? Going on. I mean, from this podcast alone, I know there have been at least five people who have watched this movie for the first time. And for a lot of them, it seemed to hold up even without the nostalgia factor of having seen it as a kid. So that's a really good sign. Yeah. And, you know, having having the, the connection. Disney, Disney was right. Having the connection to the Wizard of Oz is, on the whole, a good thing. It allows you to to take tremendous liberties with your product, and if there's enough there, you 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 can tie it together. This may not have been the right vehicle for a mainstream audience to just <laughs> hop on board, but you know, thirty years removed, you can you can look at this, and it doesn't. You know, it's not it's not it's not overly hokey. Uh, it wasn't cheap. Like everything was was well made and you know top top of its design for the time. So it uh, it holds up in that regard. Which uh, some of the other stuff coming out at that time, d- <laughs> yeah, yeah, doesn't doesn't have the same the same sort of thing. It doesn't, and it's it's set in a fantasy world, so you don't you don't have like you know, Dorothy's computer and <laughs> uh, you know some kind of magical hacking experience. And she goes to 1899, you know, you, you never get caught in any sort of weird, uh, you know, weird moment where it just looks dated. Like even even back to the future. Uh, the you know, future isn't the future anymore. <laughs> yeah, the future isn't the future. Uh, the 80s, it, you know, it, it definitely looks like the 80s, but it looks like the 80s. You know, just the cars and, you know, people's fashions and haircuts and, and stuff. You It's... You know, it's it's now a period film going into another period. It's still great, but yeah. Oh, it's it's fantastic, but it'll only get further removed. Oh no, it's it'll just only get further removed from people's experience, where no one will have been probably. I, I I'm I think I'm pretty safe by saying there's no one around from 1899 who's viewing <laughs> this film anymore. Uh, That's not how many people live in Franklin, Kansas. <laughs> yeah, and there's no one who's lived in Oz. So it's it's protect it's got a little bubble there to protect it. Yeah. And honestly, in the 30 plus years since this has come out, I think as much as it wasn't a success, this has been the most successful of the Oz follow-ups. Nothing else has gotten it right, and I feel like this movie has become a cult classic in a way that Now, granted, you know a lot more about the other Oz properties than I do, but they don't seem to have the following that this movie does or the cultural cachet that this movie does. They, they flit across our existence and the few people who are into it know about it. And that's it. Like it doesn't, it never crosses into 
to, into displacing. I mean, nothing's going to displace the 1939 The Wizard of Oz, but this comes the closest to feeling like a true follow-up. And the others just kind of exist, and then you never hear about them again. At least this one, things popped up. You know, you'd run into this guy who went to college with your boyfriend who talks about Return to Oz all the time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and people knew what you were talking about. Not all people, but Return to Oz was known in a way that it doesn't feel like these other Oz movies have been. Yeah, and... Um... You know, the, the Tin Man miniseries was was great in that it just took it in a different direction and it you know, wasn't super faithful to the even time periods necessarily of, of Oz. Uh, but, you know, that's a different type of, of adaptation. And the James Franco property tried to be, they tried to thread the needle to, to be like the first one and be kind of grand, but also be dark and a different different story and you know try, try and get some of that i don't think they were intentionally trying to capture the feeling of return to oz but try and get a little a little bit of that edge because you because you've got to change the story or you're gonna to have to do singing and dancing again if you if you really want to <laughs> echo the other one mm-hmm. and it just it hasn't it hasn't played no one's gotten it no one's gotten it right but i think you're you're onto it um you know this this didn't become a blockbuster but there's enough there's enough here that even removed people will, people will give it a chance uh and i like i think if i were going to bet uh, i don't know when the james franco one came out like 4 years ago and when that hits 30 years i don't think people are going to be saying oh you know it's been 30 years since james franco's uh oz the great and yeah. powerful he and that, that's uh, what i was really thinking of uh mina clunas clunas anyway from that 70s show you know they won't do a reunion of 70s show movie actors or something Hmm. there's no wheelers like there's nothing there's nothing iconic in that where this has different stuff that's not in anything else but still feels very oz and even talking um you know even pointing out like Ozma's dress looks like Mombi's dress looks like the Wheelers. Like there's that's crazy. Yeah, there's all of these pieces that that go together that give it this rich world. Um, you know, it's it's kind of, it, it it's more it feels in its construction more like what Peter Jackson is doing with the Lord of the Rings, where there's all of these details that if you read the books, maybe you pick up on it in film. Uh, you know, or it's just. You know, little Oz logos are all over the place. Hmm. It feels like it's a world that was built out all the way. They probably wanted to do more. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I, for all that we are gushing, we are not saying that this was a quote-unquote successful movie, but it's it's come the closest, and it's an absolute gem. <laughs> they did everything that they needed to do in a successful film. This wasn't successful. But they they gave it a, a genuine effort, and I, you know, I I, I kind of feel like with uh, Oz the Great and Powerful, like you know, they had two big stars who were both very popular, and you know, their careers were, were booming, and they put them into Oz, mm-hmm. and you know, we had a movie. <laughs> oh, we had a movie. <laughs> Which isn't to say you know don't put popular actors in your in your stuff, but. 
uh, it seemed more like, I mean, we call, lots of people call it the James Franco one. No one says this is the Feruza Balk Oz movie. You might remember it. It is. (laughs) As, oh yeah, you know, Feruza Balk is in that. Yeah. Some people were shocked to hear that. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like none of the actors define the movie. I don't know. I, I, th- I think I think I've almost run out of stuff to say about Return to Oz. Oh my goodness! That's I was like, I'm just gonna let you run with it because this has been amazing. <laughs> Do I have any more thoughts on Return to Oz? I don't know. I mean, we're. It's not like we're killing the podcast. If you come up with anything else, we can certainly do a special episode <laughs> or some sort of release. I think the listeners flying sofa lives on, correct? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's With, if anyone finds us and has things to say there, we're definitely open to new ideas, theories, interpretations. Yeah, and you know, if I mean, at this point, if you're listening to this, if you're listening <laughs> to this, uh, you know, the whole show is archived at returnedozminute.com, weogtiogpog.com. I don't know how far in the future this might this might go, but you know, <laughs> Osminute Facebook, Return to Osminute Listeners Flying Sofa. We have an Osminute Twitter Twitter page. Do you still do you still know what Twitter is? <laughs> if Instagram has survived the zombie apocalypse, we're on there at Osminute. <laughs> yeah, and who knows how much stuff will be on the Instagram? The Instagram got a late start, but there. It's been- it, it could really be, be kicking up. I mean, who who knows what could happen with it? <laughs> Maybe Wheeler fashion will become a thing. Maybe we'll all be wearing spiky shirts in a, in a year or two. <laughs> and Maybe we'll, we'll all have wheels for hands and feet. <laughs> yeah, it could. I mean, it could happen, I guess. It did happen there. Maybe. <laughs> if only there was a crossover with... Maybe DuckTales, because you've got Gizmo Duck <laughs> has one big wheel. The wheelers have four small wheels. They'd probably be like, hey, what if we were upright and just had one big wheel? And then hands. <laughs> uh, the next evolutionary step. It's all so clear. All right. Well, yes, those plugs are where you can find us. Um, I also co-hosted the Movie by Minute podcast about the never-ending story. We were on Twitter at NevEndMin. That's in my Twitter profile, and I think I'll probably leave it there as long as those are things that exist on that site and the site exists. Um, I hopefully will be hosting MASH Minute someday. We're going to start by giving the movie the minute-by-minute treatment. It's a Robert Altman movie. It's very different from the TV show, but it's absolutely fantastic. There's a lot to analyze there. No for Zabalk, sadly, but... (laughs) You know, and we'll we'll get by. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at one steel sister. It's spell out. It's O N E S T E L E S I S T E R. So that's where links to those projects will be. Uh, Mike, it's up to you if you want to share where people can find you because you like me are this quasi public persona now from doing these podcasts and blog posts and stuff. Yeah, I'm on I'm on Twitter at Mike Carlucci. Uh, I'm not the professor. Um, Don't mess with the professor. <laughs> I haven't done the voiceovers. Uh, I know he different Mike Carlucci's have appeared. They have an IMDb page, you know, one of them. So 
Congrats to those guys. I'm just the Twitter, the one on Twitter. But you got the Twitter handle, so you win everything. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you can find me there. Uh, Tierney and I are hosting a couple weeks of Die Hard Minute, which maybe that's completely wrapped by the time you're listening to this. Uh, If so, check out diehardminute.com. Or, you know, if you've made it through all of this, we've told you you a few times, uh, moviesbyminutes.com. There's dozens of movies that people are breaking down in this same format from The Matrix to Marvel to Disney Animation. A lot of these are Disney properties, aren't they? Yeah, to the Pirates of Caribbean. Wait. Disney owns a- Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. Back to the Future. Jurassic Park. Uh, Different. Star uh, Trek. Amusement Park in Florida. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, Star Wars Minute that... You know, Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson kind of kicked off this this whole adventure for all of us. Yeah, we um, would not have yeah. this podcast without those two and Star Wars Minute. Harry Potter Minute, Lord of the Rings. It's there's there's a movie basically for whatever you could want. Nope. Army of Darkness, broken down one minute at a time. Now that's shopping smart. And, uh, and to all these podcasts that are still recording that we have given shout outs to, just saying, Mike and I are now available for guesting. We've got a lot of free time coming up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I have no idea how to wrap this up. Ah! I think there's only <laughs> one way to sign up, to, to wrap up the show. With our At tri- least it's not fried chicken. Well, besides fried chicken. Or besides <laughs> not Fried chicken. Ooh. <laughs> Echoing uh, the Star Trek 2009, spoiler alert, with old Spock having to explain his traditional greeting, although he doesn't use it, but we are going to use our traditional greeting. Oh, I'm going to do the hand motions. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. I had to get ready. <laughs> Weog. Tiog. Piog. Piog. That's a wrap. Message in Empire Strikes Back. The hand. There's still a a chance to save the hand. He was trying to tell Chewie.